Shut up, Bella. You know what? No. Hello and welcome back to the Shut Up Bella podcast, the podcast where you all beg me to shut up and I just don't listen, do I? No. <laughs> Today um, it is the third instalment of Fortnite with Friends. We are joined by another extra, extra, extra special guest. Today we are joined by none other than Natalie Walton, author of Revenge of the Sluts on Wattpad, author of Dream Team on Wattpad. Natalie is getting her book published in I think February 2021 so in the link in the um description of this episode the link will be there to pre-order it like I already have throughout this conversation I had so 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 much fun talking to Natalie finding out everything regarding her book and regarding the publishing process and what the book had to go through but also bonding over her big dream team and figuring out that she's a Pisces and she's an incredible Pisces at that so if you want to hear the amazing conversation I had with Natalie please keep listening and I just want to say thank you yet again to Natalie for agreeing to do this episode with me it was so much fun I had such a blast and I can't wait for everybody to hear it so without further ado enjoy this episode and before we get started with any questions how about you give a introduction for anyone listening all right. Hi, my name is Natalie Walton. I am the author of Revenge the Sluts. Uh, it's a YA novel coming out in February 2021. I'm also known as Floats on Wattpad. And so how long have you been writing now? Oh, well, on Wattpad specifically, I think I'm coming up on eight years, I want to say, which makes me feel ancient. <laughs> but I've been writing for, I think, probably since I was maybe six or seven, like I have memories of being a child and like writing in notebooks and things like that. Like there was a point when I had to store my writing on like flash drives because Google Drive didn't exist yet. Like, So it's just, it feels like I've gone through this whole like era. Feels like it's been forever. My first memories of me writing is um, we used to get these books from school called Biff Chip and Kipper. And I copied out a full book and showed it to my mum and was like, I'm so proud I wrote a book. And she was like, Bella, I know you've just copied that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and so when was it that your writing started to take off on Wattpad? I want to say it was maybe like 2014, I think. I I get the timeline a little bit confused. I'm going to be honest, I've like posted and like taken down and like changed the stories I've been writing so much that like... (laughs) I can't really remember when I had things up or what was going on in my timeline. So I had underdogs that I posted when I was like 13 or 14, which is a romance um, that I'm like, that's the only timeline I have. I'm like, I know I wrote before then and I've definitely written after that. But um, I think it started to take out probably like 2015. I want to say I, that was when I won Awadi, which was really exciting and kind of a I think a game changer for me in terms of taking my writing seriously. And so before we cut off, you were just saying how it was around 2014 when your writing started to take off? Yeah, I th- I've been writing pretty consistently since childhood. Like I have all these, you know, notebooks and kind of scattered stories and stuff like that. But I think uh, probably around 2014, 2015 was when I was kind of like, wait, maybe 
maybe I like doing this and maybe there's potential here. And I mean, the story that I wrote wasn't great. Like I'll own up to it, (laughs) but it, I think was really good for me um, just in terms of kind of getting my feet wet and figuring out that writing a book is actually a possibility. Yeah. And so in terms of your writing process, how is it that you come up with your ideas? (laughs) So I, I wish I knew. I feel like I black out when I come up with stuff. Like, it's just kind of like I was trying to remember how I came up with the idea for Revenge of the Sluts. And I have a very particular memory um, from when I was, I want to say maybe 12 or 13. I actually watched Easy A for the first time. And I... (laughs) I think that movie like radicalized me, which is the weirdest possible thing I could say about it. But I really I watched it. And I remember being in probably middle school and just being like, oh, my God, finally, someone vocalized what I've been thinking. And finally, someone explained why certain things make me feel so uncomfortable. And just, you know, just different things about slut shaming and all of a sudden giving me vocabulary I didn't have before. Um, So I've had the idea for the book for a long time and I think that's usually how stuff works for me is like I have to sit with it for you know sometimes as many as like <laughs> six or seven years before it finally clicks and makes sense so it's definitely a, a process for me. I think the term radicalized by Easy A should go in my bio from now on because Easy A <laughs> is like my favorite movie of all time. So. It's so good it's so funny and it holds up too I rewatched it like probably a year ago and I was like man this is still as funny as it was the first time I watched it if not funnier I think I don't go a day without singing the um I've got a pocket full of sunshine bit <laughs> like she does in the movie I love it <laughs> oh, yeah no I really I just I remember watching it and immediately probably like an hour later, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to write a book about slut shaming and I'm going to call it Revenge of the Sluts. And like, that was the extent of my plotting. I was just like, this is going to be great. This is going to be like the best idea I've ever had. And like, I didn't end up doing anything with it. I wrote like a chapter and I was like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> but I was confident at the time. And I guess it worked out because it came back around eventually. This is totally off track as well. But bringing up easy is me and my mind go to this. I watched John Tucker Must Die for the first time last night because I saw someone compare Revenge of the Bloods to John Tucker Must Die and that was such a good movie (laughs) I actually still have to watch the full thing I've seen it like in small chunks but I haven't actually watched like the full thing in one sitting and I was thinking when I saw that tweet that I needed to watch it so I could understand so I was like this is such an interesting comparison like I never would have thought that but now that it's being brought up I'm kind of like maybe maybe this is potential I'm like, I love it. I saw it. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, let's go for it. I could definitely see like the similarities while I was watching. It was so interesting. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and so you mentioned a bit about planning with Revenge of the Sluts, but in general, how do you go about planning your books? I tend to be um, kind of flexible about my planning. I like having an actual outline when I go into things. So I like having a very solid idea. I usually do it in the process of like, a log line of some kind so I'll just kind of put something in my notes app and I'll be like okay what if we tried this (laughs) like for dream team I was like okay I want to write something that's about a debate team and lesbians and that was it that was my whole log line for like a month and then it eventually started to evolve from there and then it was um basically just trying to come up with the little bits and pieces and where the characters would fit into it. And then as I formed the bits and pieces, the plot started to kind of develop out of it. I mean, 
I'll call it a light plot just because Dream Team is very much like uh, kind of a series of events at this point because it's a first draft. So it's really it's not very cohesive. But um, in terms of plotting, I tend to kind of like having at least some sort of direction and some sort of expectation. And I'm usually actually pretty good about following it. It's not exact like there's I think when I was writing the first draft of like Revenge of the Sluts, I made it like maybe 35k or 40k in and I was like wait I need to change the entire ending (laughs) so it's like I am very flexible about it but I also if I don't have a direction it becomes very very hard for me to write um I tend to be someone who I need to be able to visualize the scene as if it's a movie which is kind of funny because I'm not a super visual writer I wouldn't say I'm not someone who focuses very heavily on description but for me personally I have to be able to see how the characters are interacting, where they're going, what they're doing. And like, if I can't play that out in my head and if I can't see the progression, it just like the scene will not click for me, which is something that's been kind of, it's, it works, but it's also very difficult to work around because sometimes some scenes just like don't click and I can't figure out why. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of when you sit down to write, do you have sort of like favourite music you like to listen to or like snacks, drinks? Like what is your sitting down to write process? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I'm i super flexible about my writing. I almost exclusively write in bed, which is like the thing you're not supposed to do. That's like the number one piece of advice is like don't write in bed. But I always end up writing basically in like the comfiest spot I can. I sit exactly where I sleep, like totally surrounded by like blankets and pillows. Um, and I keep usually like fruity snacks like I like having almost the equivalent of like finger food candy like things where I don't need to necessarily like think about it while I'm eating it which has you know pros and cons because sometimes I'll work my way through you know an entire family size bag of like skittles or something and I won't realize and and I'm like why does my stomach hurt um but usually it'll be something kind of like sweet I usually keep water around um I also do have like a a soft spot for like coke zero which I currently have on my desk um so every once in a while I'll have a little bit of like caffeine um and then in terms of music I kind of do a mix of everything I don't have like one particular genre I would say that makes it easy for me to write um sometimes I actually don't listen to anything or find it easier to just like sit and focus on the writing and just kind of let it go but I mean I'll I'll listen to classical sometimes. I'll listen to like, you know, like alt pop. I'll listen to like, you know, classic 70s rock. Like it's just like it's I think very much dependent on what my mood of the day is and also a little bit about what the scene is that I'm gonna have to be writing. But it's definitely not like a <laughs> like I do not have like a set writing process. Yeah, I think what you were saying about writing in bed, I wrote in bed for years until recently I got an armchair in my room. And oh, I like, love that. Yeah, I still have to have like piles and piles of pillows and blankets all over it. Otherwise, it's, <laughs> I just get uncomfortable. Then I get distracted and it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I'm like, I've been trying to change it up a little bit and like try and writing on like a couch or something. But it's like eventually I just want to be back in my bed because it just works so well for me. I don't know what it is. It's like the ability to prop my feet up combined with like the comfort I don't know it's like it just works for me I mean and my my poor back has been going through the ringer because I've been trying to write but it's you know I I've tried to write in other places and it's just not working so do you have a favorite time of day that you like to write I kind of write whenever I (laughs) 
just like I kind of write whenever I feel like it like it's just one of those things where all of a sudden I'll get this feeling where I'm like oh I really want to work on the project I I have the most chaotic writing pattern and writing schedule like it's really truly just a, a disaster on every end like I I tend to binge write so I sit and do like super long sessions rather than consistently writing every day like for me doing something like uh nano is like I'll do sometimes as many as like five or six thousand words in one day and then I won't write for like a week that kind of idea like it's just it's a a whole mess so for writing in terms of like day or night or a specific time I usually just kind of whenever the mood strikes me I'm like all right I'll just sit down for like an hour I have some time um I I will say I was working on a project over Camp Nano in July um And for that, I think I was registering the best time probably around like 10 or 11 a.m., which was kind of weird. Like it was a very particular moment that was really sweet. It was like almost immediately after I'd wake up and kind of like eat breakfast and get settled. It was I'd sit down and write for like an hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, I'm definitely the same in terms of I write whenever I can and I just I can bang out like so many words in a day and then write nothing for six months. Yeah, so I've signed up to do Nano this year to try and counter that. I don't know how well it's going to work, though. I'm so nervous. Like, I'm genuinely, like, I think about it, and I'm like, I have my plan. Like, I've already started the manuscript for it. Like, I already know that I have, like, the groundwork set, but I am so nervous. I'm like, I I don't think I've ever committed to doing, like, the full 50,000-word Nano before, so I'm like, this is going to be a whole new ballpark for me. I have, like, a whole writer support group, (laughs) like... Yeah, I've set up a group chat. I've forced so many friends to do it with me. Yeah, I'm gonna be crying on the phone every day saying I can't <laughs> get it done. It's like because I wrote uh, Revenge of the Sluts. Like I worked on a whole chunk of that basically in the middle of being a student. I had like we get a uh, a month long break at my university in January, so I basically just sat and wrote out as many words as I possibly could, and I think I got to maybe like. 48,000 or something like that and I was like of course this isn't over nano like of course I would I would finally be able to figure out how to write consistently and write a lot over one month and it wouldn't be like the one month where I needed to do it I think I either take two years to finish like a first draft or three months there was no in between yeah no that's that's exactly how it is it's like either it sticks and it works and it makes sense or just like does not and I (laughs) it's always a surprise which one it's gonna be and so obviously Revenge of the Sluts has been getting ready for publishing, which requires a lot of editing. How would you describe your relationship with the editing process? I actually really love editing. This goes along with my whole like chaotic writing process thing. I love the idea of tearing apart a manuscript and starting all over again. Like for me, I like writing a first draft that I enjoy and I take it very seriously, but I don't take it so seriously where I, I'm not afraid to just put down like absolute nonsense and be like you know what I'll fill this out later <laughs> like so and I think editing for me is this process of like being able to form the characters and who I imagine them to be like the first draft is kind of the first go around and the first attempt of like what do I think the characters act like who do I imagine them to be what are their their hobbies and interests and kind of messing around with setting and time frame or even like logistical things like the tense of the book which I have changed (laughs) between drafts and things like that before for projects I'm working on like it's all kind of 
I just find it really cool and like knowing that all of the work that I'm putting into it is going to make the project better in the long term. I mean, when I was working on editing for Revenge of the Sluts, it was like I basically rewrote probably half of the book at one point, just trying to like rework a lot of the the subplots and trying to change things up. And it was like, I mean, it was super stressful and it was really hard, but there were also certain parts of it where at that point the characters were basically real people to me and what had happened in the book felt so real and so like visual to me that editing felt really natural like the pieces of the puzzle started to really come together when I started working on the later and later drafts and things would come up and I'd be like oh my god of course this character would act this way and it would you know make the plot go in this way and this totally makes sense and it was it's really I don't I find editing to be difficult but also like validating in a sense and just really kind of like fun and interesting and it's really hard leading up to it but when I'm actually doing it I tend to enjoy the process I think editing is one of the most like polarizing things for writers because you have the people who absolutely love it and would rather edit than write and then people (laughs) like myself who completely hate it and would rather (laughs) never edit anything I'm like (laughs) yeah I for Revenge of the Sluts, I will say, it took me probably like a year and a half to finally work up <laughs> the confidence to be like, okay, I'm ready. Like, I can do this. Like, I I can edit. It's going to be fine. The book's going to be great for Dream Team. I've just like put it to the side for now. And I'm like, I'll come back to this in like seven or eight months. Like, it's fine. I just, yeah, it's, I don't know. I really, I enjoy doing it and it's so fun and it was always really exciting to get pieces together and like when I was working on a plot for Revenge of the Sluts or I had a new idea for a subplot or something like that that I wanted to add in and it fit, it was so just like, like the book felt new and exciting again and it was just really fun to sit down and write and I think that's one of the things that I struggle with sometimes with first drafts is like it doesn't necessarily feel fun to write because it's like, I feel pressure to get it and I feel pressure to make sure I'm representing the characters well and that I'm capturing nuance and things like that. And I'm like, no, all of that stuff comes later. Like, it's fine. (laughs) So like half of my brain is like, you know, just get stuff down. And the other half is like, no, make sure it's good because you don't want to do too much editing later on. (laughs) And so now I'm going to some questions about Revenge of the Sluts. I reread this book last night in like one sitting because I love it that much. Wait, sorry, <laughs> cut out for a second. I think that was on my end. <laughs> oh, no, it's so well. I was just saying that um, for Revenge of the Sluts, I reread it last night because I really love it that much. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> and I remember reading this, like, amongst, like, all of the, like, teen fiction romances I was consuming by, like, the thousands <laughs> at the time. And I just think it was so nice to sit and read something that reclaimed you know the term slut and how especially on Wattpad you know the sluts in quotes are portrayed a certain way and your version of that was so you know refreshing and inspiring oh, to that's read. really yeah because that's that's really what I was hoping for I mean it's hard because obviously when I'm writing something I'm like okay this is this is pretty good like I think I'm onto something but it's always hard to tell how other people are going to receive it and I I do think one of the most consistent pieces of feedback like for probably the entirety of the drafting process was how nice it was to see women written as 
like real people and like real women and I think that was something that's really important to me I'm like even if people hate the rest of the book even if they can't stand the plot I'm like please just like I hope they appreciate the characters and I hope they can see themselves in the characters and see their friends and their family and stuff like that in them and that was really key to me yeah and I think obviously one of the central aspects is especially in the beginning, like the victim blaming, that people blame the girls for taking the photos rather than the people who shared them. Not going to spoil <laughs> anything too much yet. <laughs> so do you think that um, readers and within their comments, do you think they sort of portrayed the same victim blaming or were they more understanding? The comments are really interesting and I love, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, um, I love Wattpad comments because it's like being able to see the thought process of a reader in real time so it's they'll leave comments and you get this really kind of insightful look into their brain that you usually don't get when you're just kind of offering a physical book to somebody and they're thinking all of this stuff in their head um it's really it's been super divided in some parts I mean there are some people who are really you know they comment and they're just like yeah of course like it doesn't make any sense that the girls are being blamed for this like it's just I can't believe anybody would would blame them it's not their fault that kind of idea and then there's other people who definitely have come in and have kind of had a little bit more of a so-so attitude where they're like well maybe the maybe the girls shouldn't have sent the photos in the first place like it's and then the readers will actually get into kind of like little little debates in the comments of like well actually I don't really agree with this point because of you know this and this and it's like exactly what I was hoping for from the book um I really wanted people to be able to have these discussions and kind of face their own biases in a way and kind of ask themselves well wait why do I feel this way like why do I actually think it's the girl's fault like why why do I feel like it's her fault rather than somebody else's and that kind of idea um I think that's just been it's been exciting to see a little disheartening in some places but mostly the comments have been positive and have leaned in kind of a you know progressive mindset or people who seem to be getting it a little bit more or they seem to learn from the text or they already come in with the mindset and kind of already know because I think it is a book geared toward a certain population to begin with like I think there's a certain type of be drawn to a book with very strong themes of feminism and you know sl- stopping slut shaming and that kind of idea so it's it's definitely a mix I I really appreciate the comments that I've gotten over the last you know two years I want to say because it's really helped me with kind of understanding how readers perceive the characters and what's going on and how readers reading the edited version of Revenge of the Sluts might perceive what I'm giving them and I think not only does it have such strong themes of feminism, which is right up my alley, um, I loved the section with the Christian group. I read some of the comments on that section, which were very interesting. And also when the principal tries to um, like censor the newspaper, I thought that was incredibly interesting. I'm a politics student, so any debates about like those kind of aspects are very interesting to me and I just really loved how you tackled that. Yeah no that's uh, something that's really important to me. I uh, was I don't know what to call like I was like a student journalist for two years it was very casual I mean I took it very very seriously but like I'm not studying to be a full-time journalist but something I take really seriously is the idea of freedom of the press and being able to share ideas and 
being unfiltered, basically. I just really like that ability for people to go out and share the honest truth about things. And I've always found it really fascinating that there are certain rules that can be put up against students in particular that can, I just, I don't know, that's always been something that is really tricky for me and kind of, uh, I just, I don't, I see possibly why, but at the same time, I'm like, why would you, why would you want to limit journalism in any aspect? Why is that allowed even if they are a younger age group? And that's kind of where it comes in of like, how much control should we give adults over the lives of children and the voices of children and teenagers? And, you know, it's just, I don't know, I just thought that was a really interesting and key aspect to bring in. I also just love journalism drama like I'm a huge like I I am a huge fan of those newsroom movies where it's like they break open some sort of huge story that just like for some reason is so exhilarating to me which is (laughs) so dorky to say but it's true like I just I love watching things where it's people are given this piece of information of some kind and they break open this entire controversial story and they're you know, hit with some sort of limitation or they're hit with some sort of difficulty. And I just, I don't know, I love seeing them overcome the challenges. And that was a huge inspiration for how I wrote kind of the nude gate drama. Yeah, I think I'm a huge fan of like the um, the newsroom dramas as well. I think I'm trying to think of, there was one with Rachel yes. McAdams in it. And I yeah, totally uh, loved that. Is it Spotlight? something like that yeah which I yeah I've seen that I think probably two or three times at this point and it's just it's so good like you wouldn't think that watching a movie about people having to write and basically interview people would be exciting but somehow it is it's the same thing with watching like all the president's men where you're just kind of like wow, this is, this is so exciting. Like, this is just, wow, they really, they're out here doing this and real people did this and they make journalism seem so exciting because it is, because the stuff they're doing is really intense. Like, I um, I recently read the book that the New York Times journalist put out, the two women who broke open the Weinstein case, and they wrote a book kind of about that process and just being able to read the difficulties and the obstacles that they faced was I mean it's it's nuts (laughs) so it's just it was really exciting to be able to kind of write something like that for a younger generation and being able to kind of put teenagers in that position and tell them you know it's like it's okay to question the norms and what adults are telling you and it's okay to push up against things that people are trying to stop you from doing I'll definitely have to give that book a read though because that's again, <laughs> right up my alley I am so excited to hold a physical copy of this book in my hands how has the publishing process felt so far is it something you were looking at doing yeah absolutely future? I actually think getting Revenge of the Sluts published has been something that's really motivating to me which I mean I, I think in theory that makes sense that you know you get a book published and all of a sudden you feel like the pieces kind of make sense and you feel like writing kind of clicks and makes sense. And I feel like that's how it was for me. It was like, I got, I, I finished, I want to say it was close to finishing the edits for Revenge of the Sluts. And I, I started writing Dream Team and I knocked that out in like a couple of months, which I mean, I don't think I've ever actually done that before where I've sat and have just like written out an entire story in months rather than over the course of, you know, a year or two years or something like that. It just, it feels like I'm 
excited about writing again and it feels like I have kind of a drive and a direction and things like that and it's just I don't know I really I've been enjoying it Um, and I think what I like too is that publishing is kind of like a almost like a a writing group like it's the idea of like taking like a creative writing class except it's like a little bit more intensive than that but it's the same idea of like basically people sending ideas or feedback and saying okay what what if we did this instead what about this can you pull this part out what's the point of this character you know that kind of idea Um, and I've always really liked that back and forth I like collaboration and I feel like writing can be such a solo activity sometimes that it's nice to kind of reach a point where it's no longer fully me, like I'm receiving feedback and I'm able to talk to people and talk through ideas and things like that. It's just, I don't know, I mean, it's obviously super stressful. Turnaround is really hard. Meeting deadlines is really hard. Um, Usually whenever I was given an assignment for editing, it was like, you know, I'd have a couple of months to write, you know, (laughs) like 25 to 30,000 words or whatever it might be. Um, but it, I feel like it was definitely worth it. And it, it made the book better, I think, in a lot of ways. And it definitely benefited from the feedback that I got in the editing process and things like that. So I definitely, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. And has the, um, like, pandemic lockdowns, has that influenced the editing process at all? Did it make it more stressful or having you know, time at home, did that help? Yeah, I actually think being at home has been really good for me. I, I should preface that by saying I'm naturally a homebody. Like I'm someone where if I did not need to leave the house for, you know, a couple weeks at a time, I probably would be like, okay with that. Like I'm someone who's very much comfortable with like kind of doing my own thing. And like, I don't know. So it it kind of has worked for me. And I've actually been feeling really kind of inspired and motivated for writing. I mean, obviously, I miss real life. But it's also just really nice to be able to sit down and just write and feel like I'm not missing out on hanging out with friends. I'm not, you know, there's nowhere else I should be. Um, I can just kind of sit and focus. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been able to kind of get through editing and get through writing more quickly than I have in the past is because I don't really have any sort of major obstacles that are getting in the way of my writing for the first time ever because I just graduated. So I have no sort of school. I have no, I'm working, you know, part-time remote and I kind of have my own schedule with that, which is super easy. Um, So it's just, it feels very flexible I have lots of inspiration lots of time um so it's been nice so far it's I mean I do feel like there's a little bit of a pressure to be writing all the time if that makes sense like because I have this time I feel like I need to be writing you know a couple thousand words a day like I have you know um, I'm awake for roughly 18 hours or something like that of every day like I should be writing more but that's something I've been trying to work on and trying to learn how to relax and not feel like I need to plow through a project in you know two or three months just because I can yeah I definitely like felt the productivity like pressure over lockdown I work part-time as well I work in a coffee shop on the weekends but like during it is until like everybody starts rushing back in once restrictions are lifted and it's Christmas so making the Christmas drinks takes like three minutes at a time (laughs) And we don't even sell pumpkin really? spice lattes, so it's very disappointing. 
I know. I feel like that's such a false staple. I'm like, I don't really drink any sort of like coffee or anything. But for me, it's like the the pumpkin scent is just so reminiscent of fall and like the coffees and things like that. I don't know. I feel like that's wow. We do like cherry hot chocolates, which is nice. And like a gingerbread, but nah, (laughs) not pumpkin spice. It's quite disappointing. (laughs) But yeah, I really struggled at first, but I feel like now once life's starting to get back to normal touch wood <laughs> hopefully everything can settle down and so obviously this book is a mystery until the end and you mentioned that you changed the person who re- released the nudes like halfway through so when was it that you actually knew this is gonna be so embarrassing and this is absolutely gonna be fuel for anybody who doesn't like the book but when I was plotting it originally I actually did not know who it was gonna be (laughs) like like I wrote half of the book trying to figure out who would make the most sense logistically in the story for the first draft and I was like you know I'm getting I'm working my way through it and I'm just like even I don't know like and I think that's part of the the reason why some of the comments I get on the first draft were like why like who is this person why did this happen in this way like what is going on and I'm like I'm so sorry (laughs) but that's um I mean it kind of worked for me I think because I was this is the first mystery I've ever written like it was like I I read a lot of mysteries my I would say uh my bookshelf and like my reading list have been predominantly mystery for probably the last like five or six years Um, and it's, you know, so I had a lot of outside influence and a lot of things to go off of. And like, I have tons of experience with reading mysteries and kind of like trying to figure out how they're plotted. But when it came to actually writing my own, I was a mess. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. This is so complicated. Like, how am I supposed to do like red herrings and things like that? Like I had to do all this research on how plotting a mystery works. Um, but I think I, I finally kind of got into the stride of things And once it started to make sense, it really started to make sense. Like, I feel very, very confident in the end. And, like, it, the story has changed so much over the last, like, two years. And my understanding of the characters and just, like, the culture of St. Joe's and the way that I wanted to kind of talk about slut-shaming, I think, has evolved a lot and has, I think, become stronger. Like, I feel a lot more confident talking about the decisions that I made in the book and everything that was done for the published version was so intentional and so thought out and so discussed that I I just I don't I feel very confident in kind of the direction it took even if it had <laughs> kind of a, a rocky and uncertain start like I remember texting my friend and being like I think I know who did it like I think I know who's who it's gonna be <laughs> and I'm like I'm, I'm the person who's writing the book like I hope I know who it's gonna be that's so embarrassing it's so messy but it kind of worked out yeah and so spoiler warning right now is it pronounced I don't know how to pronounce it yeah Danica, I, I mean Danica? I go off of Danica I think that's the uh um Maybe the American pronunciation. I actually have no idea. I got it from, I think she's a a race car driver. (laughs) I just like, I remember reading the name and I think I've only ever seen one Danica ever in my entire life. Um, And I think it was, I think it's a race car driver. And I was like, well, it's a pretty name. So I just, I used it. (laughs) Yeah, I've never run across someone called that. Oh my gosh, I I was reading it. I was like, go through every different (laughs) pronunciation I could. 
You know when you read a word that you can't pronounce, oh, and your mind yep, just blanks. Yep. <laughs> and so, Danica is the one who believes mm-hmm. the news, calls Newsgate. Did people get mad at the ending, or did people like that it was I, I think the, the biggest fault was that I did not give enough hints that it was going to be her. Like, I actually, I was expecting a lot more backlash for the ending. Um, I do think it's one of those kind of, like... I don't know how to phrase it, like bad feminist things to like have a woman be a villain for something that's predominantly male, that kind of idea. Like it's typically male perpetrators. I mean, like statistically, historically, like there's no question about it. Um, But it was a very intentional decision to make it Danica. Like when I kind of figured out the direction the story was going, I was like, no, this absolutely makes sense. Like, let's kind of turn this around and talk about female jealousy and kind of, you know, what that does to people and what that means and why women feel the need to get jealous and are jealous and can sometimes become malicious because of it. Um, because I, I was actually listening to your misogynistic female tropes podcast. And I was thinking about Danica while I was, well, I was thinking about pretty much all of the women who are in revenge of the sluts, because that was something that was so intentional for me. I was like, I, I, you know, like, I think you can see, remnants of some of these things like I definitely view Sloan as being kind of like a cool girl and Eden's kind of like the nice girl that kind of idea but I definitely wanted to kind of turn some of those on their head and Danica was absolutely one of those where I wanted to take that mean best friend trope like the jealous best friend trope and actually kind of explore that a little bit more and say well why would she be jealous and why would she be so jealous that she would do something like this and kind of ask ourselves you know how far like you know it's what does this mean like do we know people like Danica like is this really something that humans do and kind of reflect on our own jealousy and you know I'm because I'm I mean I'm gonna be honest like being a 12 or 13 year old girl I had all sorts of things I was still working through and trying to understand and I you know wasn't particularly nice to certain people or certain situations and definitely used you know slut shaming language and things like that and I've tried to be better and I think that's what I've spent my whole adult life trying to do is understand why people might get jealous or why I would say something mean even though I didn't really mean it that kind of idea. I think it also brings up a really interesting topic of like internalized misogyny that we all need to address especially in this day and age and I think especially in the comments it was really interesting to see people tackle like Danica's internalized yeah. misogyny and also their own and I think that like a really brought in yeah I really I wanted readers to kind of because I mean it was for me a sense of reflection and kind of saying okay so thinking about who I was when I was maybe in middle school or high school or thinking about things that I saw and heard are the you know are these still existent today and what that process is like having to work through it and how kind of tough it is to be told like hey you were you know you said something that was really really awful and really mean and you did it because of you know these really awful norms that are being perpetuated and these things that we're being told are okay Um, And I also think it's, you know, there's kind of this idea of we need to inherently blame women for the jealousy that they feel when in reality, it's usually a lot more complicated than that. And I think that's how it is for a lot of human emotion. I mean, not to get too like, (laughs) like into it, but it's, 
I just, I don't know. I always, I, this is like the sociologist brain and me, um, but it's, it's just kind of this idea that I always imagine there's more to it than what we usually see. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to tackle with Revenge of the Sluts is being like all of these people who exist in the book have lives outside of Newtgate. They have lives outside of how Eden perceives them. They have lives outside of, you know, everyone and everything that's going on. Um, and I just, I don't know, I really wanted to kind of explore the nuance of that and the feelings and human nature, I guess, <laughs> not to like overstate the importance of the book, but just to kind of like give a little bit of hint of that and say, here are some of the norms that we usually face. Here's the ways that we'll react to them. Do you think this was wrong of her to do? Do you see why this was wrong of her to do that kind of idea? Yeah, I think it is incredibly important book, especially on a platform like Wattpad where so many of the readers are younger and they're reading books that are quite misogynistic so they're seeing certain girls be portrayed as the sluts and then they can read a book like Revenge of the Sluts and kind of address that and be like well are they is like what is yeah no and I think that's the really important thing is I wanted you know it's as I think about all of the times that something could have been stopped like it's you know even just casual mentions of like oh she's a slut like just like a, you know somebody stepping in and being like well actually let's let's think about that like what do you actually mean when you're calling somebody a slut why do you feel the need to call her a slut why are you trying to dehumanize her for something like what what is actually going on in that case and it's you know I I do think being able to kind of turn that around and ask people why and I this is one of those tricks that um (laughs) that we I don't know that people mention all the time in like politics and things like that it's just asking like why people actually hold those beliefs like why do you feel or you know asking people to explain a misogynistic joke or something it's like well why are you actually saying that or why do you actually think that's funny and usually you can't really explain it (laughs) and I think that's one of the most important things is Revenge of the Sluts is kind of meant to reflect back on ourselves and the way that we read it and um I don't know I just I think it's a it was interesting to write interesting to read hopefully um and I think it explores a lot of that stuff I mean I I want to say it was done well but I'm the person who wrote it so I have no idea but I hope that it can at least have some positive impact on people yeah definitely I think my favourite thing to do in a politics class is whenever one of the guys makes the misogynistic jokes, yep. to ask them to explain it. Yeah, because no, and I feel like that's basically what the whole purpose of Revenge of the Sluts is. It's like, okay, so so why would you do that? Like, why do you feel the need to call somebody a slut? Why, you know, for when I'm thinking about the... Uh, graffitiing Vera's car that kind of idea just being able to like sit down and ask you know like well why why would somebody do that like what do you actually gain by doing that and what are you hoping to prove um and I really do think hopefully people reading those and kind of thinking about those scenes are you know trying to figure things out for themselves and I really tried to avoid being preachy with it I think that was the hardest thing is trying to figure out how to express these messages of like don't slut shame people without sitting down and being like here's why you shouldn't slut shame people you know that kind of idea Um, because I I know how it feels to be you know 14 or 15 and I know how 
feels when it when it is like adults talking down to you and telling you how you're supposed to treat other people so I really wanted to make it feel like it was their decision and they were evaluating this on their own um and trying to kind of just suggest the direction that they should be going and kind of understand and see the impact of decision making and things like that and frankly bullying and see what kind of impact that has on people yeah and now I move on a bit to dream team the love line <laughs> you gave was debate team for lesbians I totally love that <laughs> absolutely I mean I think you know a lesbian coming of age story it's so refreshing to read um especially as a young bisexual woman myself it's so much fun to read and it was like it's such like a heterosexual dominated genre it was just like a little breath of fresh air no, I really I love that because I started off writing basically straight romances forever. Like I the Dream Team is the first time I've ever tried to write a romance that wasn't straight. And it's a romance that for the first time ever actually reflects who I am as a person and, you know, my sexuality and things like that. And it was just really freeing and really wonderful. And it's been fun having all of these readers who have kind of come out of the woodwork and have been like, oh my god, like, I, I read your romances back in, like, 2015, like, like, you're gay, too, like, I'm also gay, <laughs> like, and it's been really, and it's, it's formed, like, a nice little community, I think, of people, and it's reaching readers who I usually didn't reach before, and it's just kind of, I don't know, it's very validating to read comments of people who are, like, you know, wow, like, a love interest who looks like me, like, this is, like, an actual love story that I can visualize myself in as, you know, a queer woman. I also think, like, because you're writing it, like, from the perspective of a queer woman, the monologue, or well, not really monologue, the dialogue with Jane when she's saying, like, how hard it is to find a girlfriend, <laughs> like, that was so accurate. <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, it was so fun to write because I really do imagine Jane to be very much who I am as a person I mean she captures so much of the like the chaos and kind of like this <laughs> I, like unhinged attitude that I have about a lot of things like I'm a nervous wreck about the majority of things in my life like that's just who I am as a person and I think Jane really kind of captures that like gay panic of oh my god I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to talk to her I just I don't know what's happening <laughs> and I really wanted to write a book that reflected that because I one of the things that I see is historical sapphic romances in particular tend to be pretty serious and it's all about like the yearning and the brushing of hands and like these long looks across the room and things like that and I was like okay that's really lovely and really romantic and I love stories like that but I also want a story about a contemporary lesbian like myself who has no idea what she's doing and is just super confused and <laughs> is trying to navigate kind of dating without necessarily the process of coming out like I wanted her to just be messy in the sense of does she like me like what's going on here yeah and I think that's where like Jane's like nerves and she like is a gay panic like it's so relatable for so many of like the LGBT plus community like I was just reading it like I feel seen right now by Jane <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's so good to hear. That's like the highest level of compliment I could possibly get. Because it really, I mean, I just kind of put it down on paper and I was like, all right, so Jane's going to be a mess, apparently. Like I knew from like the fourth page, I was like, okay, so Jane is going to be absolutely chaotic and it's going to be really fun to write. Um, and it's just and I mean, it was kind of based on my own experiences with dating. I spent like the first couple of months of knowing my current girlfriend just kind of being like like is she interested like what how do you date as two women like what is going on like I just I don't know what's happening and I think I really wanted to kind of capture that and and be able to kind of give a story that feels like what it's <laughs> gonna sound so, but like what my real life romance was like and kind of being able to capture that because I think it's a very authentic experience that people have experienced other than me and it's kind of a universal like I don't really know what I'm doing yeah, you don't really know what you're doing but like we're gonna figure this out <laughs> we just came in waves and so where did the inspiration <laughs> for dream team come from <laughs> It was, I I want to say back in like May, I was talking to my friend Ivy and we were trying to figure out what the next book was going to be because I was kind of in like the, I want to say mid to late stages of Revenge of the Sluts. Like I think we were just before copy edit. So I was kind of like, okay, this is probably a good time for me to figure out what was next. And me being the drama queen, I was like, what if I never write another book? Like I don't have inspiration for anything. Like I'm feeling so stuck right now. The only book kind of like what could like you know she was working through another idea she wanted to do and she's like what if you like just wrote an old story and then made it gay like what if you just (laughs) like basically revamped an old romance and just turned it into something new and that didn't end up happening but I think that idea of kind of turning a trope around and kind of saying well what if we just what if we just made this gay (laughs) um was really kind of fun and freeing and I think that worked out and that's kind of where the story evolved from there and it was an excellent way for me to be able to finally do my you know debate team lesbians and combine it with something else because it was kind of a twofer of like I wanted to write debate team lesbians and I wanted to turn around a trope in this case fake dating and I was able to kind of turn those into the same book which was really just kind of fun I don't know it felt like the pieces kind of came together on that one and if you had to summarize this plot and the characters in this book as a selection of songs, make a little like dream team playlist, what songs do you think would fit? Oh, this, this story is such best? a good question. I kind of okay, I am weird about writing or making playlists because I have such a hard time with it. I'm like the the queen of making super confused, super convoluted playlists <laughs> that like don't make any sense. Like they'll be like five or six hours long on average. Um, but for Dream Team, I imagine it being a lot of like Uh, very like soft pop like I imagine it being like Claro very heavily I do imagine a little bit of like Phoebe Bridgers influence too so a little bit of like angst um it's just kind of I don't very like female vocalist oriented I think so like you know um but I, I do kind of imagine the song Sophia by Claro being the like kind of the running like that tonally and just lyrically and just everything about it, I think really fits what I was going for with Dream Team. Like I heard the song and I was like, this is it. Like this is, it doesn't get much better than this. (laughs) 
And so now to talk a bit more about your social media experience as a writer. So Wattpad gets kind of a mixed review in terms of positive and negative experiences. And I can imagine writing about a topic like slut shaming on a platform like Wattpad gets like positive and negatives. Do you think that for you, the positives have outweighed the negatives? Yeah, I would say personally writing on Wattpad has had a lot of benefits like I imagine all of the readers that I get as being like free beta readers I mean I think that's a really wonderful thing about Wattpad is like you have the chance to share these ideas with people and basically be like does this work like does this make sense to you guys do you like these characters and like being able to receive feedback like that is on such a large scale is kind of rare in writing I think it's such a unique opportunity to be able to really gauge how readers feel about things um, and what needs to be updated that I I really love that I love feedback and I love the idea of being able to kind of update certain parts and I I think sometimes when we're writing things we don't necessarily see the flaws in the text like we we might feel that they're there and like I you know, I'm always kind of like, yeah, I know something could be changed. Like, I'm not really sure what. And then being able to receive feedback and being able to update it is really, really nice. Um, but I think that's, I mean, I, I think it can get a little bit overwhelming with feedback just because there is so much sometimes. Like for um, when I was working on underdogs, when I was like, you know, 15, 16, I was receiving so many comments and I was receiving so much feedback and so many things that people thought worked and didn't work. And I think that kind of, I don't know, like like it, it made receiving feedback a little bit easier. And I feel like I've definitely grown a tougher skin from that too, which I think was really benefited me as a writer and being able to receive critiques and being able to honestly have my book torn apart in certain aspects and being able to kind of recover from that like it was a little bit overwhelming being you know not even a legal adult yet and having people who are like your book sucks and I'm like I just have to kind of sit there and be like all right (laughs) fair enough I guess um but it's definitely I think helped as I've gotten older and helped me realize that you know you can't possibly write a book that will appeal to everyone like it's just it, you can't do it there will be people who do not like your book or do not like certain parts of your book and I I think it's a tough lesson to learn but it was really nice learning that early in my career and learning it with something that was a first draft rather than you know a published novel have you found that coming from Wattpad as like technically like a Wattpad writer has the publishing industry been more favourable towards that or have you experienced some like judgment for being from Wattpad because obviously people have a like perceived notion of what yeah I actually think it's it's worked out pretty well I think one benefit for me is that um Revenge of the Sluts does not come across as a Wattpad novel in a lot of ways like I think what people imagine as a stereotypical Wattpad novel you know something that's romance driven something that might feature a lot of tropes you know that kind of idea that it's not there. So people, I don't think necessarily form the connection that like, oh, this is a book that was, you know, posted on the same website as, you know, like, I don't like One Direction fan fiction or something like that, that kind of idea. Like, I I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And I think part of that is due maybe to the plot. It's kind of like, we're still in the very, very early stages of Revenge of the Sluts being promoted and shared with people. So maybe at some point, I'll start receiving more feedback. That's like, you know, either this is one of the worst Wattpad books I've ever read, or one of the best or somewhere in between or whatever else. But I do think um, there hasn't been that much of like a 
a connection or a focus on it. Like a lot of the feedback has just been focused on the book itself rather than who I am as a writer or who my publisher is or anything like that. That's great. I, it's just, it can be so disheartening when I see like buyers being judged because what platform they come from. We can't help the fact that in 2013, everyone was first. <laughs> well, and it's also, sites. I mean, I kind of imagine getting published through Wattpad as the equivalent of somebody starting like their career on like YouTube or SoundCloud or something like that. Like there seems to be this kind of judgment that because of starting in one place, you can't be good. That kind of like, I don't know what the connection is there. It's like this idea of like, oh, they started off on this platform where they shared things publicly for free and then they started to get their career going. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I've been writing since I was seven years old. I've been posting online since I was like 13. I've been receiving relentless feedback from some of the harshest critics I'll probably ever meet because they're teenagers with nothing to lose <laughs> since I was like, you know, 13 or 14. So it's kind of like, I don't, I feel like there's a lot of skills that I've built up as a writer because of that. And I think Wattpad has made me a better writer in the long term because of that. Um, I think there are certain things that are hard to shake moving between Wattpad and publishing. Um, like Wattpad tends to be pretty serialized. It's kind of like a, you know, every chapter is kind of its own TV episode or kind of its own thing, um, if that makes sense, within the larger plot. So kind of turning it into a cohesive book that fits with what publishing typically is, I think is a little bit tricky. But I mean, I just I think there are so many benefits to starting young and receiving a ton of feedback and being able to really work from that and treating Wattpad as like a really big writing group of some kind has been really helpful for me as a writer. And I don't know I just I really appreciated it and I, I think it's people tend to be kind of harsh but it's like I mean we're just writing like we're just we're out here having a good time like we're just trying to present a story so I don't know I I don't really get the judgment on like where people come from or like the quality it's the same thing with independent publishing too where it's like you know just because they're independently published doesn't mean anything like you should still give it a fair shot so that's kind of my my stance on it and my takeaway and do you have any advice for any new writers that are starting out whether they're starting with writing online or they're writing their yeah I would offline? say don't be afraid to put projects to the side I think there's this kind of idea that when you start something you should commit um, but I do think your gut knows and like if you are writing a story and it just feels like it's not clicking and it just feels like it's not making sense, there probably is a reason why it's not making sense to you. Like there might be a character who's missing or it might be the tense needs to be changed or maybe you don't like the setting or whatever it might be. Um, but I really do think there's value to learning when to put a project to the side and realizing you just don't have it yet. And it's okay to start a different project and it's okay to return to something, you know, three, four or five years down the road, whatever it might be. Um, I mean, I know Revenge of the Sluts would not be what it is today if I hadn't put it to the side. I mean, the original draft, it was a romance. Like there was no mystery. There was no newspaper um like pretty much the only character who was consistent between both of those was Sloane um and but putting it to the side and getting a whole bunch of life experience and you know attending school university level for two years getting you know a social science education that kind of idea um I really think changed the book for the better and I think 
there's a lot of benefits to being able to tell yourself, you know what, I just, I don't know if this idea is fully formed yet. Like, I'll just, I'll work on something else, even if I'm really excited about this book. I think that is <laughs> excellent advice. The next project I'm working on is something I started last year, then I had put it to the side and I'm picking it back up. And I think, like, obviously my draft is going to change massively but it's going to change for the better and I think if you need to get time then take it like you absolutely know yeah I really do think there's something about like I know a lot of the advice about like writer's block and things like that is to like write through it and just keep working through the draft that you currently have and it's like writing it's is for you if you're not having fun writing it people most likely won't have fun reading it like if you don't like that current draft even if you have 30k written already it's totally fine to go back and do it again like there's no harm no foul like if anything it's going to work out better for you in the long term like when I wrote dream team the very first draft I had I had it in I think present tense and it worked for the first like 20,000 words and then I realized I I couldn't do it like I just could not maintain present tense and it was not working for me so I actually went back and edited all of the tenses in the book and it worked it like I mean I finished the first draft of it in past tense and it just it made sense to me it all worked out so it's you know sometimes it's small or really big changes and I think you know evaluating and taking a step back is really really helpful for the writing process and for the brain and for getting excited about the project you're working on and so lastly we're going to move on to some listeners questions listeners sent their questions in on Instagram and Twitter the first question that we got was is there anything new that you're working on I am working on something new um I am only like 20,000 words into it right now so I it's still kind of in that up in the air of like am I actually going to finish the project and how far am I going to make but I'm really really excited about it I will say it's a mystery um so I'm going back to kind of like what I did for Revenge of the Sluts, feeling a lot more confident in my ability to write mystery than I did with Revenge of the Sluts, but I'm hoping to be able to share it soon. I just wanted to get more words down and probably work through most of Nano before I shared it with anybody. The next question was, there's always somebody (laughs) who asks this question. I think it's because of my reputation. I'm a Pisces. I don't know if that that makes sense but like I'm a Leo (laughs) like I I don't know I'm always really curious if that's like something I feel like when people get to know me or like the more I hear about Pisces the more I'm like oh god I feel like I'm I'm strong Pisces energy like anybody who knows anything about astrology will be able to pick this up about me (laughs) yeah that definitely makes a lot of sense (laughs) I'm, I'm fascinated with astrology I'm a Leo and I think that makes sense because only a Leo could sit and talk to themselves. <laughs> I love that. I, ha- I love that energy. <laughs> the next question was, when you write, do you write a more plot-driven story or a more I think I lie to story? myself and I say I'm writing a plot-driven story, but it almost always devolves into being a character-driven story. <laughs> like, most of the decision-making, like, I would consider Revenge of the Sluts very, very strongly character-driven. Like, it's not a fast-paced revenge story where it's like a you know a a revenge fantasy borderline like it's it's very much about the people and I think dream team is the same way and I think that's just who I am as a person I tend to find people really interesting and I tend to focus heavily on their interactions rather than how 
the plot progresses, if that makes sense. But I would love to write a plot driven book at some point. I'm trying to like work on that skill. <laughs> yeah, it's a very Pisces <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> Somebody also asked, who is the favorite character? Oh, this is a written? really, really good question. I will say, I think I, I have a little bit of favoritism toward Sloane, and I think that does kind of come through in the book. I, maybe it's, like, people can't see the bias, but, like, I feel it, <laughs> like, when I'm, when I'm plotting the book and when I'm thinking about it. Um, I think there's a lot of just, she's a really interesting character, and she's just, she was really fun to kind of write. I typically don't write, um, I don't know what to call her. Like she's not a loud woman, but she's someone who's like able to kind of say, you know what? I don't want to be part of this conversation. Like, I don't trust you. I don't like the direction this is going. And she's very like business oriented and very blunt. And I really like that. Like I think Eden and Jane for dream team are a little bit more like me in the sense of kind of figuring myself out. Like I always joke that Eden is the narrator who spends the entire book figuring out why she's the narrator like she's kind of just there for a while um and I think she views herself as a side character rather than a main character um kind of like the the memes that people make jokes about where they're like oh I want to be the main character like I think that's what Eden really struggles with is trying to figure out how to become a main character in her own story um which is something that I find really personal but I mean I I do think I have a little bit of favoritism toward Sloane and just being able to write her and kind of explore her character a little bit more. When I first wrote Revenge of the Sluts, I thought it was going to end up being a love story between Sloane I'm so happy you say that because that's, I sent the first draft to my friend Ivy, who I mentioned earlier when I was writing it, you know, this was way before, I think this was even before I posted it on Wattpad. So this is way before publishing. And she was just kind of like, Sloan and Eden <laughs> and it's like like I didn't write it intentionally <laughs> like that like it wasn't meant to be like I wrote this still thinking I was straight for context like I was like <laughs> but like the I just I don't know the more I read it the more I'm like god they really they have exceptional chemistry like I'm I won't deny it so if anybody wants to write you know fanfic between Eden and Sloan i I won't stop you I fully support <laughs> I might have to take you up on that offer <laughs> Another question was, what are your favorite tropes and cliches to read, write, oh, submit? Um, let me think. I <laughs> I am a huge fan for I'm a huge fan of um the <laughs> the like there's one bed trope for some reason that one just always really gets to me. Like whenever that's thrown into like a romance or something like that, I'm like, oh, this is this is so good. Like it literally doesn't get any better than this. Um, and I, I don't know if this is so much like a trope or a cliche, but I love like boarding school drama for some reason. Like that really just like it itches some part of my brain whenever I see that a book takes place in like a, a boarding school. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't know. I can never resist. <laughs> um, and then I think, I want to say like rivalry really stands out to me too. I love a good like academic rivalry of some kind. Um, not so much an enemies to lovers fan, I think, because I, I tend to like kind of like, <laughs> like soft cinnamon roll characters. So the whole like enemies to lovers thing where there has to be like a feud between two characters. I'm like, no, just just kiss and make up. <laughs> Which, 
<laughs> very Pisces. Again, that's a very Pisces so thing to I'm say. So <laughs> um, but it's yeah. I I mean, I'm a huge fan of pretty much any romantic trope. Like, I think there are very few where I'll be like you know oh no this is like you know I'm not gonna watch it because it has that trope in it like I think I have a soft spot for pretty much every single one which might sound odd as like a mystery writer but I started off as a a romance reader and writer for ever I mean when I was a kid I was writing romance I almost exclusively would watch like rom-coms and things like that like it was only pretty recently probably like college when I started branching into more serious genres um and it was always like light and fluffy romances too like it was never like you know these sweeping epic romances it was always just kind of like two people who are going through like you know really stupid scenarios or disagreements or something I just I love it I can't get enough (laughs) and the final question I think this is a really good question what is it that you would like people to take away from your books yeah that's a really that's a good question I I think I've been trying to figure this out too because for the hard part between transitioning from something like Revenge of the Sluts to Dream Team is that Revenge of the Sluts has like an inherent importance to it almost like I felt like I had a purpose writing Revenge of the Sluts and Dream Team is more just like a cute romance and it's you know kind of difficult to be like well what's what's the connection between those two like how did I go from one genre to the next one and I think it's just the ability to tell human stories and kind of representing people who I feel like aren't seen that much. So it's, you know, something like Dream Team being able to talk about Jane and just being like a college age lesbian, which is something that I don't see very frequently. I mean, we we don't have very many lesbian narrators to begin with. And then taking it into like the NA genre and then taking it into a college setting is like a very niche thing that I just felt like there wasn't very much of. And it's the same thing with Revenge of the Sluts, where it's we don't really like there are a lot of books now that are starting to talk about slut shaming and I'm definitely not the first one to do it and I think I wanted to kind of contribute to that and write a book about you know slut shaming and revenge porn in particular which is something that's definitely does not get very much attention in media in sex ed like it's a very just under discussed issue um and then also just writing a book about like you know girls supporting girls (laughs) that was really key for me and I think that's going to be a theme that's seen um throughout a lot of my books but yeah I think that's that's pretty much the main takeaways I just want to be able to kind of talk about things and dig into stories that we might not see that frequently and I think there was no better way to end this episode than with that statement thank you so much yeah of course this was lovely thank you If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast by reaching out through a DM or a message, you can do so through my social medias and the ones I use the most for the podcast are Instagram and Twitter, or you can find me at Shut Up Bella with an extra S for shut. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and let me know any thoughts or opinions you have on this episode. Goodbye, lots of love from Bella.